Welcome to Fine Laws Don't Judge Me, the show about the law in real life. I'm Laura Temme, and I'm joined by Joe Fawbush. Howdy, folks. <laughs> He's busting out folks right from the top. Oh, no. And the man who originated <laughs> folks on this show, Andy Leonetti. <laughs> folks! How's it going? <laughs> it's going great. I'm excited for our topic today. It brought me back to my days of studying economics in undergrad. It's something that has come up, I would say, a weird number of times over the last year between the pandemic, wildfires, and other natural disasters. Uh, We're talking about price gouging and how it comes up in times of emergency. A little econ, a little contracts, a little uh, consumer protection. It's got everything. I'm excited. You know. (laughs) It's got everything. So yeah, I, this is, and this is one of those stories that it makes me <laughs> mad. You know, this starts with what we saw in the news uh, over the course of a week in late February last month, kind of devastating winter storm swept across Texas and much of the South. Um, and for us here in Minnesota, you know, it doesn't, it's easy to kind of say like, well, what's their what's their problem down there? Um, we are constantly living in a state of readiness for single digit and sub zero temperatures, massive amounts of mm-hmm. snow and ice. We have it's it, it goes beyond having appropriate expensive winter clothing. It's it's our infrastructure is ready for it. Uh, home snow and ice removal tools, snow plows, salt piles, winterized buildings, and most importantly, mm-hmm. our power supply can withstand the two-week polar vortex that we just had here where you started to think we were trapped in Greenland. Oh, yeah. Or, or I had something. to put pajamas on my dog. It was ridiculous. Ugh. <laughs> but also, ah. It was very cute. <laughs> yeah, I bet, I bet he looked especially derpy. <laughs> but... To put it, you know, to put it mildly, that is not the case right. in Texas. And it's has spawned a fairly large consumer protection crisis. I don't know what else you'd maybe what you would want to call it. The initial crisis of, you know, people literally having to fend for their lives in their homes without power and water. That was one thing that was over. But now in its wake is a lot of consumers who have effectively been hosed. Because what happened is, as the extreme cold knocked a lot of power generating capacity in Texas offline, Texans still needed electricity to stay warm. And so there's that econ <laughs> that Laura was talking about, because the demand the demand the demand for massive amounts of electricity consumption mm-hmm. stayed the same, and the supply plummeted. It plummeted so much that the Public Utility Commission of Texas allowed the price of a kilowatt hour of energy to hit $9 mm-hmm. at certain points where it remained for several hours at a time over different periods over a couple days. Now, any, you know, any rate payer, whether you're renting or you own a house, you're in, mo- in the vast majority of the country, your, your fixed rate that you're paying is usually a couple cents per kilowatt hour. And so you're talking sustained periods of time of price that's multiple dollars. And people were using so much power down there because of essentially, I, I don't want to get too much like 
into the debate about the quality of the infrastructure other than to say it was not ready for Mm -hmm. weather like this. And so as people needed to, people were consuming massive amounts of electricity just to keep their houses at 60 degrees. And some people were paying just astronomically high prices. And that is, you know, because most of us in most of the country, we pay a fixed rate. Our utility providers and our utility providers will spread out price spikes over a period of several bills, whether it's a really bad heat wave and everyone's running their ACs constantly for weeks at a time or something, an event like this in the winter. When you pay a fixed rate, your utility company will then do what's called like a, quote, truing up of the bill where you will notice your bill go up at the next cycle, but they will spread the pain out over several billing cycles instead of just hitting hitting mm. it with you all at once. And in some cases, when we're using less power than normal, that could mean actually a lower bill. Now, the difference is in Texas is that 85% of Texas's energy load is handled by the state's independent power grid, which is pretty much separate from the rest of the country and the rest of the rest of Canada as well. Whereas the rest of us were part of these interconnected massive grids of, of electricity delivery. And in Texas, the energy market is kind of a Rand and Randian paradise <laughs> of D de, of D de, of mm-hmm. deregulation. And so there is a lot of consumer choice with who you actually pay for your electricity. It doesn't mean there's a million people, different companies out there generating power and building their own power lines directly into people's homes. Only certain companies still own that infrastructure, but you can pay essentially another utility company for your consumption of that electricity. I am still not completely certain of how all of this works because it, because power infrastructure, just like sewer lines and stuff. There's only so much of it and certain entities own it. But in Texas, you can pay companies that do not generate the power for the electricity that is hooked up to your home. And some of these companies offer what are known as variable rate plans, and they are tied to essentially the wholesale real-time market price of electricity. It's not fluctuating minute by minute like it would be like it is on the actual market where wholesale energy prices are set. It's usually more on the on a daily basis. Now, those plans, you can sometimes get money back when the price of energy actually turns negative. You can get money back. You can pay less than what most electricity providers set at the fixed rate. It's also designed... One of the one of the stated goals is that in a time, especially in a state like Texas in the summer where you're running, where you're going to be running your AC a lot in the summer is that it encourages you to consume less energy Mm -hmm. because the price is going to go up. Sure. The problem here, obviously, of what happened in February was that you essentially you couldn't use less electricity if you literally wanted to avoid freezing to death mm-hmm. in your home, which we saw happen in the news. Right. 
And so what happened with people who had had these variable rate plans with certain companies, they started watching in horror as their energy bill for three, four days of usage was doubling, tripling, quadrupling what they would normally pay in an entire year mm-hmm. in their power bills. Uh, we have one man had almost $17,000 deducted from his bank account. <laughs> they didn't just send a bill? Yeah, there was, there was automatic oh, debit for a good portion wow. of these customers. And so you're going to hear the name. Yeah, Gritty, Gritty is kind of G-R-I-D-D-Y, not to be confused with the Internet's favorite sports mascot, <laughs> Gritty. <laughs> we had a special education teacher who lost power during the storm, still owing $7,000. Uh, the municipal electric utility for the town of Denton, Texas, spent $207 million over just a few days, which hit, which equals its average yearly expenditures. Another Texas woman has received a bill topping $9,000. This list, I'm only giving a couple here. You pick a news outlet that has written about this, you will find a different consumer giving Mm -hmm. their horror story. It is... It is many, many people. Yeah, yeah you're not just taking the one-off situation. The system working as designed led to this result. That is the thing. Basically, if you were signed up to pay Gritty, you were just left with no recourse. Because what, just like we could call up today and you could say, I don't want my home internet provider I'm going to call up another company. Mm-hmm. Come hook it up. People people were trying to do that as this was going down, mm-hmm. but they couldn't they couldn't get through. They couldn't get any appointments for several days and by that by that point it's already too late. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are already several thousand dollars in the hole. So, one woman, a Texas woman, <laughs> I don't know why I said Texas. Um <laughs> She has filed a class action lawsuit against Gritty for price gouging. Now, Gritty blames the Public Utility Commission of Texas for setting the rates so high. And at the same time that it is said that it, quote, stands alongside its angry customers, (laughs) it is also called this lawsuit, quote, meritless. (laughs) Wow. So Gritty also wants you to know that they think, consumer, that you should be bailed out. (laughs) Of these high bills. But they are not going to bail you out. Right. <laughs> Someone is going to pay <laughs> Gritty. And they they agree that it should mm. not be you, <laughs> Which, <laughs> consumer. But Which some, is but, great. But someone should pay them. <laughs> well, well, to be fair, if I was owed hundreds of millions of dollars, I might try to collect myself. <laughs> yeah. Now... Over the last couple of weeks, Gritty has now essentially been reduced to a non-operating company because the state has paused billing and disconnecting customers. And so Gritty, Gritty cannot collect mm-hmm. on these bills. And people have 
essentially been switched to other per- a lot of people are are now getting switched to other utility providers and gritty has been rendered a sad little i don't know what you call a <laughs> company that doesn't generate electricity but gets to charge a lot of people <laughs> gets to charge yeah. people a lot of money for electricity <laughs> consumption mm-hmm. <laughs> the mortgage backed securities of electricity yeah oh god yeah <laughs> oh no <laughs> I'll be I'll be interested to see what happens to the people who had uh, direct direct withdrawals from Gritty because mm-hmm. you know if they just went ahead and yeah. took out that money and now it sounds like they are facing a backlash and who knows what the future of that company is going to look like it'll be interesting to see if anybody gets their money back mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you're right Joe because politicians in texas have said various things about getting to the bottom of this this is i I think there will be some response because you're talking about just a massive wave of bankruptcies that are that will affect not just not just consumers but also power generators as well if relief Mm -hmm. doesn't come uh you will you will have utility companies filing for bankruptcy as well but (laughs) One of my favorite quotes is when when I was thinking about this, I I wrote a blog post about this on Fine Law. We'll include it in the show notes. The funny thing is that, you know, one of the things that Texas, Texas politicians, the Texas way of life is sort of this rugged individualism. Mm -hmm. And this is, in actuality, kind of the market working as it should you could argue that maybe that $9 an hour price would have gone even higher had that had there not been a statutory cap in place. Um, and Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, who is never going to win points for sensitivity, <laughs> um, said that while he, you know, sympathized with people who were maybe preyed upon, he said that, you know, that a lot of these people, gritty customers, quote, gambled on a very, very low rate. And then he also said, people need to read the fine print in those kinds of bills. <laughs> um, now, Dan Patrick isn't in charge of much as lieutenant governor. Uh, and and Governor Greg Abbott has talked a little bit more about trying to figure out a solution for for people. Yeah, I I love the uh, the read the fine print because a nobody has ever read the fine print right. obviously, but even if they did read the fine print, how many people would understand really what they were gambling on? And mm-hmm. I'm not saying that people are dumb. I'm just saying that this is a complicated issue, and what they're being sold is hey, this is cheaper, mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the salesperson is not going to talk about how, oh, but if it backfires, it really backfires. This is a a, a pretty clearly predatory scheme. I had someone come to my front door a couple summers ago selling a slot in basically a giant solar farm that is made for a renter like me who cannot install solar panels on mm-hmm. my on my house and get the electricity bill benefits of that. But what ha- what's happened is these companies will build these solar farms and then they essentially start a 
some some sort. It wasn't totally clear to me, but it was pitched as some sort of kind of a co-op type sure. situation. And that solar farm will then sell power back to the to to the grid to the to the utility companies, and I would be paying more of that wholesale rate as well. And as he's standing there on my front porch, giving me the hard sell, I'm just like, first off, I'm not going to sign anything today. I try. I tried to, I use the excuse that, you know, I need to talk about these things with my wife before I sign these things. And he tried to give me the old uh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, you know, ask your wife oh, for permission geez. later. And I was, and I was like, my, my man, this is not that kind of house. <laughs> this is... And he even took my name and information and he never came back, which also led me to believe that this was a little sketch. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was one of those same things. It was a variable rate plan. And he was sell he was selling it to me as, oh, he kept saying, most of the time you'll be mm-hmm. paying less than what you're paying now. Right. And I was like, most. <laughs> most of the time, you know, the most of the time is one of those things that he was unable or unwilling to mm-hmm. define. Yeah, quick, quick tip. I'm not a financial advisor, but anytime you hear the word variable rate, you should immediately <laughs> become Run. suspicious. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, whether it's a uh, mortgage or whether it's somebody selling electricity, watch for those variable rates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What happens, though, if the Texas government, along with what most likely I'm assuming is going to be some federal government action as well, does not, if none of that happens and just individual customers are left holding their bills that are subject to collections. Mm -hmm. um, Attorney General Ken Paxton has sued Gritty for violating the Texas Deceptive Trade Practices Act. Now, I'm not the lawyer here, um, but a University of Houston Consumer Law Center director, Richard Alderman, said those price hikes would any, he said, quote, kind of what we were getting at, would anyone in their right mind sign a contract knowing that this would happen? In my mind, no. Therefore, there's a decent claim that these contracts are, quote, unconscionable. Oh, sure. So they're not even going the price gouging route because texas does have one thing i wanted to bring up is that there's well one there's no federal law against price gouging and not all states have laws against price gouging texas does and yes and that's what that's what paxton's lawsuit is alleging is price okay that's an interesting argument because from what i understand the the price gouging law is literally just that if you're selling like food fuel medicine some other type of essential at an excessive price after there's been an emergency situation declared, that's what's illegal. But it sounds like they're going after the contracts themselves. Yeah, but Gritty is going to, in that case, Gritty is going to argue that the public regulator allowed the price of energy to go up to $9 per kilowatt hour. Mm-hmm. $5 per kilowatt hour is bad enough. $3 per kilowatt hour is bad enough when you're only mm-hmm. paying 10 cents. I I think they're going to argue that they weren't the ones setting the price. Sure. Well, and did did you say that there was a statutory cap that was set at nine dollars? Yes. Which which 
It seems yes, insane. That's, that's really that it was high. Set yeah. that high. Yeah. And the other thing I wanted to bring up is that it'll be interesting to see if any other price gouging cases come out of this, because there were quite a few cases of people who power was knocked out of their homes. So they're trying to find a hotel so that they can stay warm and hotels are jacking up prices mm-hmm. to, you know, 400, 800, a thousand dollars a night for hotel rooms that, you know, of course, generally would not cost that much. This, this is exactly that situation when you always hear in the news about how an alarmingly high amount of, People in America do not have X amount of money to handle mm-hmm. to afford an emergency. This is this is that yeah. situation. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know what uh, type of uh, warm warm balm to offer many of these ratepayers because it's really up in the air about who's going to be left yeah. holding the bag for this, and whether a judge says. Whether a judge says, well, yeah, you should have read the fine print, then you're going to have a wave of, you're going to have, we're likely to have a wave of consumer bankruptcies in Texas, which, I mean, we might have, there might be a wave of pandemic related bankruptcies coming anyway, that still has Mm -hmm. not hit yet. And this is just going to add to that. And Ken Paxton I'm not an attorney and I'm not an expert on Texas law. And Ken Paxton over the last several months has kind of enjoyed making these big lawsuits. You know, he was out Mm -hmm. there. He was out there on the front lines against Google. uh, Yeah. Trying to overturn the presidential election. Um, And now this now he's a consumer protection warrior. And he also stands accused of currently stands accused of committing several felonies. So. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's got a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it does bring up some other um, kind of read the fine print situations that I've been thinking of recently with the with the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Plane tickets. Right now, as airlines don't know when they're going to start having all of because there are still way less people flying. And so their flights are still getting canceled all the time. And they're still offering people... The chance who buy a ticket to back out or to reschedule it for another date if they just if they don't feel comfortable getting on a plane mm-hmm. when it comes time. My suspicion is is that with a lot of these airlines, there is quite a lot of fine print about how you can reschedule a flight. Yep. I can I can personally attest to this actually. <laughs> I was supposed to fly to California in April 2020. which seems really funny now. Uh Um, And yeah, when it became clear that that trip was not going to happen in say end of March, I was able to, I guess, cancel my flight and they gave me a voucher for it. Okay, great. But I only had one year to use it and it wasn't even one year from the trip itself. It was one year from when I booked it. Oh no. So I actually had to, use it by February 2021, which is why I'm going on vacation next week. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Which is why you're getting on a plane before you're kind of like... I I didn't want to waste it. And unfortunately, I couldn't use it for another trip to California that I have to take in October because the airline, which I will not name, um, wouldn't let me book out that far. (laughs) Oh, I, you probably I bet I can have guess. like a 99.9% <laughs> accuracy 
chance of guessing accurately which airline it is. Can we just turn this podcast into an episode where we all complain about customer service experiences <laughs> with large companies? Right. Let me tell you about my cable company, everybody. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I'm lucky that I did read a little bit of the fine print on that one. Otherwise, I wouldn't have realized that it was a year from when I booked the original trip. Would you have waited longer to take this trip had you had longer? Uh, or are you just so sick of it all that you're just going to get on a plane anyway? You know, yeah, I think it's that. <laughs> <laughs> um, a- am I totally comfortable with it? No. But yeah, I guess I'm I'm willing to do it just to get the heck out of here for a little bit. Good job, SC <laughs> Airlines. Was I right? <laughs> I will neither confirm how'd nor I, deny that. How'd I guess? <laughs> uh, you know, this this fine print stuff goes all the way to data usage on your cell phone mm-hmm. plan. Um, during, the, you know, we've all been video chatting a lot more with people this last mm-hmm. year. And I was having a having a little confab with one of my friends in another state and he was sitting outside in his backyard uh, using his, his cell phone. Mm-hmm. And we were on uh, doing a, doing a Google hangout and we had been going for well more than an hour when he looks at his phone and he just goes, I thought I'd been on Wi-Fi this entire time. Oh no. Oh, <laughs> oh that's yeah. That's a terrible feeling when you're, or you realize that the Wi-Fi was turned off on your phone for some reason. Yeah. And so more than an hour and a half of using 4G data mm-hmm. to video chat. Yeah. It that's is. a lot of data. <laughs> that's a lot of data. And that's a mm-hmm. big and that's a big bill. And right. you don't get to claim ignorance yeah. on it because mm-hmm. you're gonna get hit with that bill. Usually a lot of these disputes are probably also subject to arbitration right. versus versus a law mm-hmm. versus a lawsuit. Yeah, of course they are. Yeah. Just because why wouldn't they make you go through arbitration if they can. Right. We're, we're kind of veering into two different complaints here. I mean, they're both, <laughs> um, one is kind of consumer protection and, and these contractual disputes that we have mm-hmm. and, and the fine print. But as far as price gouging goes, Laura, I'm wondering, because I think you've written on this in the past, you said that some states still don't have laws against price gouging. Right. Do you know how many? Price gouging is illegal in 36 states. Yeah. And here's a fun fact. Minnesota is not one of them. Oh, really? We do not have a price gouging statute that I was able to find. I feel like there was an emer- there was one of those emergency orders put in place at the start yeah. of the pandemic or something mm-hmm. like that that the AG that the Attorney General's office yeah. was. Well, and and that's one of the things I wanted to bring up and and Andy, I don't I want you to wait until the end of this before you decide to hate me because I do want to talk a little bit about (laughs) why economists in particular hate price gouging laws. I wouldn't say that this is an opinion I share because I think it's a little more complicated, but I think part of the reason why so many states don't have these laws is because I guess more free market focused economists will very strongly argue that these laws cause shortages Uh and in some ways we did see that happen in the pandemic we saw you know places running out of toilet paper running out of hand sanitizer 
And the argument is that if you allow the prices to go up, you give store owners an incentive to stock up ahead of a natural disaster, say, or um, preventing overbuying and hoarding, which we saw at the beginning of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. It gives businesses a little bit more incentive to pay higher freight to get more stock faster. And on, on the surface, all of that stuff sounds reasonable. You say, okay, yeah, we want to prevent that. But the problem is that taking out price gouging laws entirely ignores the income inequality issue where there are going to be people who can't afford to pay the higher price that the market comes up with. So yeah, that's my, this is my little economics corner for, for the episode, I guess. Well, and in the, in the, 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 those, those incentives, I think those incentives are good. Those mm-hmm. are, those are good incentives. It, doesn't do anything to help the family that is freezing to right. death and cannot afford Absolutely. a $800. Exactly. Can't afford an $800 Motel 6 room. Right. Which is why know. I think a lot of states, they, they well, I don't know about a lot. I'll be honest. I didn't look at all 36 state laws on price gouging, but they do. Laura. There's, <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. Look, I can only do so much for this show. I wish it could be my full-time job, but it's not. <laughs> Folks, write to Thompson Reuters <laughs> yeah. and, and demand. Let me be a podcast host full time. <laughs> demand that, that they allow us to be full time podcasters. Please and thank you. Um, but yeah, I mean, these these laws, there's a spectrum as far as how specific they are. And quite a few of them are tied very closely to emergency situations only. And so that's where it makes a lot of sense. And I think quite a few of the economists who like to gripe about this stuff can get on board with that it's the less specific ones that they start to say hey why don't we just let the market take care of it yeah i like those incentives Mm -hmm. i also like to demand a steep price for requiring the taxpayer to help you out yeah (laughs) yeah absolutely you know the the most obvious the most obvious like argument is the case of TARP in 2008 and what kind of lessons the financial industry learned, which is, I'm not going to get too political here, but (laughs) it's kind of, I, but I don't think, but I don't think they learned a lot of lessons Mm -hmm. and you could, and there's a, there's a decent argument to be made is they didn't learn any lessons because, because all of us were there to, (laughs) to help pay their bills. Right. (laughs) And they didn't face any consequences for it. Mm-hmm. So I am sympath I am sympathetic to that to that argument. All right. Yeah. So let's say that I am going into a fine local store and we've had another pandemic or we've had a hurricane in the Midwest, you know, just something crazy. <laughs> yeah. And there is no price gouging law in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Is there anything I can do if I see that Target, which is a wonderful store, uh, has jacked up the price of... (laughs) Which does not sponsor it. Does not sponsor it. Um, But we would like it if they did. (laughs) Target, call us. No, so so let's say they they jacked up the price of toilet paper and there's there's only two rolls left and I Mm -hmm. I don't want to pay 
$8,000 for it. Do I have any options or is that I'm just out of luck? No. As a consumer, in most states, you could contact your your state attorney general's office, which is usually where most uh, consumer protection type dealies correcting my grammar yeah that's the legal term uh where these dealies <laughs> are are handled the office within your attorney general's office is mm-hmm. called something different probably state by state but i would say that that would be the first place to start mm-hmm. And I guess I would say the fact that we don't have a price gouging statute, that's not to say that there wasn't some kind of order in place with the pandemic or something like that. I, Off the top of my head, I don't know if we had anything specifically about that, but I would imagine that when an emergency like this takes place, the, the governor's probably going to step in and say, okay, putting a cap on prices of certain goods. As we've all gotten more familiar with those state of state of emergency laws over the last right. year and how uh, how fungible they are mm-hmm. depending on the state. Yeah. yeah. Most state of emergency laws, I think many of them do address things like mm-hmm. this uh, for a quote act of God. Mm-hmm. No, that that's a great point about the emergency orders. And then just from a free market perspective, you know, there is no law saying that you have to limit one package of toilet paper per customer but of course every major retailer did that for at least a little while after the pandemic mm-hmm. uh, howard howard rourke was rolling <laughs> over in his grave <laughs> so yeah sadly because i do think that you know more more natural disasters are coming not to be the always be the depressed one here but um <laughs> you know there is uh <laughs> Yeah, Eeyore. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't think I've ever thought of you that way. Yeah. But if you want to label yourself that, I guess that's well. I'm, I'm just bringing up like because uh, you know, I mean, weather events are getting weirder, and yeah, you know, there there's no guarantee that another weirder and wilder. Happen. Yeah, and mm-hmm. so I, you know, I think that states of emergency are not going to be as uncommon as they once were. You know, between the, mm-hmm. the wildfires in California and the hurricanes in the south and east and uh, flooding. Yep. So price gouging and consumer protection are very much issues that we should all be concerned about moving forward. And well, I mean, because, you know, people in Texas died because of this. Yeah. Um, yep. It's not just me bitching about my cable company. It's <laughs> <laughs> right. I think. The average Texan wouldn't be expected to know whether or not natural gas plants could handle temperatures, had had the had had the necessary maintenance to handle single digit temperatures right. for a sustained mm-hmm. period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that is that that requires some vigilance on the part of elected officials and regulators. Yeah, yeah and part of it is there's so much choice, even from an economics perspective. You know that. This isn't so much a, a legal thing, but choice is generally a good thing when it comes to economics. Mm-hmm. But I suspect there there's such a thing as too much choice because we only have the ability to process so much information and can only mm-hmm. research so much. And and so, oh yeah, I I do like to be able to have choice when I buy 
fish sauce and <laughs> cereal. And yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and that, that brings up an issue that I've had for quite a long time. I mean, I mentioned that I did, I studied economics in undergrad for reasons that I will never understand. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but one of the issues that I consistently had was that a lot of economic theories, one of the fundamental assumptions is that people behave rationally. And in an emergency situation, especially an emergency financial situation, <laughs> that's not what happens. And so I think that's, mm -hmm. as far as the economics of it, that's important to keep in mind as well. And that's all we have for today. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Find Laws, Don't Judge Me. Please subscribe to, rate, and review our show wherever you listen to podcasts. Check the show notes for related content. And if you'd like to contact us, send us an email at findlawpodcasts at thompsonreuters.com. Mm -hmm. Did you just say run the gambit? I did. That you wasn't the, the right gambit. word. <laughs> that wasn't the right Bunch of grammar, bunch of grammar dorks, too. I was on, we don't I was just, on a roll of, like of sounding smart, and then I did that. <laughs>